The following message from Bible teacher and pastor Jim Crabb is brought to you by Imago Day Christian Fellowship in Westchester, Ohio. I have vision for my life. So I know you know this chapter. This is um, when the prophet Samuel is speaking to Saul about the Amalekites. Okay, so the Amalekites are the thing we need to deal with by the illustration. The Amalekites. And as, as serious as Samuel is going to be here when we read it, you, apparently this is like really important, man. So he didn't say take the Amalekites and put them in time out. Did he? He didn't do that. It's bigger than that. And so he really wanted the Amalekites dealt with just like there's stuff in our lives that God is real serious about us dealing with. And so in 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, and Saul, I'm going to read the King James tonight, Grace. Samuel also said to Saul, the Lord sent me to, uh, to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, therefore, hearken to the voice of the words of the Lord. You know, when God gives you, everybody wants to be something in the ministry, that's good. It's not, that's good. You should want to be something in ministry. He made him the king. The Lord sent me to anoint you as Saul, as the king over Israel. Well, that's good. Now, you know what? Now, you got to start. Now, the, the easy part is I love the church service where they poured oil over my head. Hallelujah. Let's, isn't that all we're going to have? We're just going to have meetings where the prophet pours oil on me. No, we're not. Now, once you're the king, now you're going to have responsibility. Amen. Now, okay, let me move this back a little bit in case somebody throws stuff at me. Or I got to get out of the way. You know, now things are really going to start. Because now you got responsibility. You're going to have to tell the people some hard stuff. Now you're going to have to be the king. So if you got a job to do, you got to grow up and you got to do your job. Say do your job. Say do my job. You gotta you gotta be big. You can't be little. You gotta be strong. You want the anointing. You want the spirit of God on you. And I don't care if you're working back here as an usher. I don't care what you're doing. If the spirit of God touches you, if you don't, you better come in here every night and say, Lord, I'm anointed to be an usher. I'm anointed tonight. I'm not just sitting around sloppy in the thing, man. I'm not just there. Man, you're anointed to be an usher. You, you're, you're praying in the spirit during the service. God, pray, pray. I'm praying for pastor. That's what an usher's job is. I'm praying for the pastor tonight. God, give him a word. Come on, let him preach to us tonight. I pray that the people will receive the word from our shepherd, from the man of God tonight. Lord, when I receive, God, let people, I'm going to receive the offering tonight. Let people give big tonight. Let people be liberal tonight to the, to the house of God and to the vision of God. Not just the ushers, the, whatever it is. Hallelujah. Now, therefore, hearken to the voice of the words of the Lord. So, you know, so not just, you're just going to do your job. Now you get, you know, the more responsibility you have, the more, 
when you get a bigger responsibility, you got to be a better listener. You got to be a better doer. The things you're going to get asked to do get more complicated and difficult. Don't they? They do. You know, if you said, you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do most of the stuff I do. Most of it. This part here I want to do. But other than this, I don't want to do this stuff. I don't want to get into messy stuff, hard stuff. But that's, that's what I, you know, okay, then you, gotta be, you, you can't be the pastor, man. So you got to listen. You got to be a great listener as a, as, a, as a man and woman of God. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 2. I re- this is the Lord saying this. I remember that which, the, which Amalek did to Israel. How he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. There was a time in Scripture where, where the Amalekites, or the Amalek, that created the people of the Amalekites, where they set a trap for the Israelites. You know what God's saying? I remember when they did that. That cost the church. Listen, you better be good to the church. You, you got to be good to not just, I'm not talking about Imago Dei Church as the, just one specific local church, but I include that. You know, I don't want to be a builder of the kingdom. You got to be good to, to what God has done. And God remembered somebody that tried to mess with what he was doing. He said, he said I remember what they did to Israel. And now verse 3. Now, Saul, Mr. King, hallelujah, go and have a meeting with Amalek. Sit down, buy him a coffee. Get him a Starbucks, and while you're at it, put $30 on a card. Make him feel good about himself. Because you know God loves everybody, include the mean old Amalekites. No, he's, got, he's coming out of the gate. I've anointed you as king. Poo, go kill these people. Yeah. I don't want to be the pastor anymore. I don't want to be the leader anymore. He bet, go and smite Amalek and Utterly destroy all they have. Now, I don't know. I mean, I, you can look into Hebrew words all you want to, but I'm telling you, you don't even have to. Go and utterly destroy all they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman. Just wait a minute, man. Woo! Slay the brothers and the sisters. Infants and suckling those little babies that are on their mother's breast. If they're, if they're Amalekite babies, smite them. And all of their oxen and their sheep and their camels and their donkeys. This is in, this is, you know, here, that is God's illustration of dealing with stuff. Yeah. 
That's what God say, you know. So I, I always take every scripture and try to personalize that. What, what can God be saying to me about that? He's what he's saying. There, anything in your life that's not right, that's how I want you to deal with it, man. Don't sit around and have a coffee with it and pat, pat and burp it. You got to go into your life. You got to deal with that thing. You got to slay it. You got to kill every part of it. You got to kill, you got to, if I got stuff in my life, you got to kill the little baby stuff that's part of that. You got to build the, you got to cut off every tentacle. You got to cut off every opportunity that lets it grow. You got to cut off the water line. You got to cut off the source that would feed that thing to help you stay in that bad situation. You got to deal tough with your stuff. Say it with me. I got to be tough with my stuff. Say it out loud. I got to be tough with my stuff. One more time. I got to be tough with my stuff. You got to kill that thing. And Saul gathered the people together. So, you know, have you ever had, you know, sometimes in our life when we got stuff and there's some days... Man, I got up today. I'm I'm telling you, I got a vision for my life today. I'm tired of dealing with that Amalekite stuff in my life, that stuff that I know it's not right. I'm, you know, I'm just using Amalekite for the, could be whatever that is. Could be lust. Could be greed. Could be anger, a bad attitude. Couldn't it? It could be be a, a temptation to alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. Right? And Saul, so so sometimes, you know, you get up and you're like, okay, I'm dealing with it. I'm going to do it. And man, you just march in and you start, okay. Saul gathered the people together, the the Amalekite people. He numbered them and to lay them, 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. Saul came to the city of Amalek, laid wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, go depart, get down from uh, among Amalek, lest I destroy you with them. In other words, here's what I'm going to start doing. I'm gonna st- if anybody's near the Amalekites, even if they're good guys, they're going to die today. So get the good guys out of the way. For you, for you, now listen to how wild this is. The Kenites... The Amalekites, they're getting slain because in the past, their leader laid a trap for Israel. They didn't help the church and the man of God. The Kenites, on the other hand, it said this. It said, for you, middle of verse 6, you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt, so the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. In other words, God remembered, these are the good guys. They showed kindness to God's people, to God's church, to God's man in the past. And as a result, you know what? When all hell breaks out, I'm going to save your rear. Now you just go on out of the way. Huh? And so the Kenites got out of the way. And Saul, verse 7, smote the Amalekites from Havilah till he came to Shur, that is over against Egypt. Now, it's good so far. Separated the good guys. We know who the bad guys are. 
verse 8, and it says, And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Is there any issue with that or not? What is the issue with that? He He took him. But he didn't deal with it. Agag represents the king of of the thing that creates the trouble, that stuff that's in your life. I really believe there's a key thing that we've got to get rid of in our life in every thing of stuff that's sin or wrong or weakness, whatever it is that we haven't dealt with yet. There's, a, there's something that's key to that. There's something that keeps that fed. Something that keeps that going. And that's the agag of the thing. The king of the thing. If you cut off the king, there's a really good chance you're gonna, everything else is going to get easy after that. But you cannot. The one thing you can't do. If you're going to kill anything and not everything, at least kill agag. But he went the other way. And it says this. He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So, you know, now I would think, you know, we got these little secret reasons in our life that we allow certain things. They're they're called excuses. Well, yeah, well, (laughs) that'd be a good point. Well, Lord, you know, I I hear the Holy Spirit every once in a while. You haven't dealt with that, have you? Well, I hear Kathy. Well, (laughs) Kathy comes trying to come to my rescue. Well, I tell you, I'm going to. I thought I'm really working on it. Um, I'm doing better when there is no doing better have you haven't you is he dead or is he alive is he dealt with or is he not dealt with and he says you know (laughs) verse my, my look we're going to find out that Saul just, there was, it wasn't just some happen chance reason why he left Agag alive. There was some selfishness in why he left Agag alive. When we won't deal with, especially the Agag of the thing that's, the, that's really feeding our stuff. Listen, man, that's because there's something in it for us. Because we don't want to give the big thing up. That we're getting out of the stuff. But Saul and the people spared Ag- Agag. And, uh, here we go. And the best of the sheep. Now there's, we're going, we're going downhill here. Now, first of all, what's he supposed to, what was the number one commandment? One word. What did he, what, I mean, what, kill, what did he tell him to do? Kill them all. Kill, kill what all? What do you mean all? All? Well, wait a minute, man. He wouldn't have him. You don't mean the babies that are like little newborns? 
that are breastfeeding? You don't mean that, do you? Is that all part of all? How about the grandmothers? Grandfathers? The weak and feeble? Even the nice ones? Huh? But, so, he keeps Agag alive? Now he keeps the, some of the sheep alive. But did you notice Saul didn't keep alive? You know, if he would have said, well, he kept alive, you know, the sheep, that, the, the, the blind sheep <laughs> kept them alive. The sheep with those three-legged ones. The ones that's got some hair disease and half their wool's off over here and it's over here and it's overgrown. They're a mess. We couldn't get anything on the open market for them. Saul saved all those or all the, you know, all the sheep. All the sheep with something wrong with their brain. Like those that they just run into, they just, something will matter with them. Crazy sheep. Leave them alive. But Saul didn't do that. That's why this is intentional. Here's a guy that's protecting his stuff. There's something that he's protecting in the thing. There's selfishness in the thing. And Saul spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the best of the oxen, the best of the fatlings, and the best of the lambs. Listen to this now. And all that was good. All the good stuff. He kept it alive. And would not. Didn't say he could not. It said he would not. You know why we won't deal with our stuff? It's not because I can't. It's because I won't. It's I know I should, but I don't. That's just, I mean, I'm oversimplifying. No, I'm not. I mean, that's just the way it is. You know the stuff that God told you to do. You and I do. And there's things in our life that we let them go. We live with bad attitudes. And you know there's people, uh, you know, I'm not looking at anybody and I'm sure not throwing rocks. I'm talking about all of us. You know some of us have lived with, with uh, you know, with, with a gossiping tongue. We've, we've known for 30 plus years you shouldn't do that and we still do it. We, you know what? Because we, we let it stay alive. We didn't kill it back when God showed us. And now it's not, now you, you know, the more you do anything, you exercise it. Some people have their tongue like, is like, is like in the Olympics. Man, they, if we had gossip Olympics, we could put them in and win gold medals. Because their tongue's so exercised. If we'd have killed gossip when God was dealing with us years ago. But we lived with it. I don't care if it's gossip or lust. By the time these people get into to, to evil, you know, child molestation and stuff. That didn't start with they were doing really good. They got up one morning and said, you know what, I'm going to molest a child. They didn't do that. They, they didn't kill what was young and little and, and, and deal with it. They let it grow. And so, he, and he kept for himself all that was good, man. All that was good. And would not destroy them. 
But everything that was vile and refuse, that they utterly destroyed. You know what he got rid of? All the stuff that was useless anyway. And he got rid of it. The stuff that couldn't, that, that couldn't bless him, that couldn't take care of him. The stuff that was meaningless anyway. He didn't even care about that stuff. That stuff he said, look at me, Jesus. Ooh, I'm going to kill that. Bless me, Jesus. Come on. You don't get credit for killing anything like that. That's not even any credit. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel. God's, you know, right here. Let's see, how far are we on here? We're down to, we're down nine verses in the tenth verse, God gets ticked off. You know, God's been merciful to most of us about our stuff. That's the truth. He, he has been with me. I'm not, I promise, God, I'm not yelling at, I'm, we're all in this. He's been very kind to me about my stuff. Some things I haven't killed it. And I've let it grow up. And it's grown up with me, some stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, the, the longer it goes, the bigger it gets in, in its strength and maturity, and it gets harder to deal with. You know, it's, you know if you're going to do drugs, I mean, it is easier to deal with a marijuana demon than a heroin demon. By the time you start shooting heroin, man, that's a really hard devil to get free from. And so that's what starts happening. The word of the Lord came to Samuel and said, you know what? The Lord said, it repents me. It makes me really sad that I set up Saul to be king. You know, I, I, I pray God, I have tried to live my life as a shepherd. The work of my hands, the, the work of my life in ministering to people. God set me in as the pastor of this church. You believe that or did I? I, I do. Hmm? I believe, I believe in that. And, and, not, and not just me, whoever, I believe in elders being set in and administrative people being set in by God, helps people being set in by God. But God put me in as the pastor. God put me in to protect this flock. Somebody asked me one time not long ago in a, some kind of challenge, you know, how far will you take this? Is over somebody. I said, well, that person's in my flock <laughs> as far as I need to till I win because I'm the pastor, I'm their pastor, and I'm going to protect them. If I got to give my life for it, that's what I should do. I wouldn't even pray about it. That's what you do. You fight hard for it. If God sets you into something, then you got to fight you, you, have to, you have to live out your responsibility, you see. And I, but this, this, when I read a verse like this, when God said to Saul, Sam, um, Samuel, 
it makes me really sad that I ever sat Saul in as the king in the first place. Let me tell you, there's really, there, the, you know, if God said, Pastor, you need to do better at this. Amen. What else is new? I want to say to the Lord. You, this is wrong. Change this. Yes, sir. But the f- most fearful thing that I could hear in my life would be, Pastor, it makes me really sad that I ever set you in to pastor that church. You, if he, if I ever, I mean, if that was ever true, all my reason to even be alive would be gone. Because I live out of everything else comes after that. I set you in here to take care of these people. Now, this may not be the biggest church in the world, may not be a very good church. I don't know. I, th- I like this church. I love this church. I love it that God set me in here. But this is our church. And if God, and you know how much it would break my heart if God ever said he was sad that he ever put me in here. Now think, and I'm just making a point. Wouldn't it hurt you, man, if God ever said to you, I'm sad that I ever set you in this position. Not, not, you know, you need to do a little better in their position. I'm sad I ever let this happen. My God, it would, it would sting you to a place that it would take your breath and your heart away, man, if you cared about God. And I know you do. And the one reason that we see that God, he said, it repents me that I set up Saul to be king. Why? For he's turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel the prophet. Look at this now. And he cried to the Lord all night. God forbid. You know, but the, but the real thing I'm, in, in our context tonight, the reason that God was repentant that God repented for putting Saul in his king was because Saul wouldn't do what he told him to do, man. He didn't obey him. He, he didn't deal with stuff. He tried to, he, now he, look at me. He pretended he was dealing with stuff. He, he had a sword in his hand. Huh? You might have a Bible. You might have a few scriptures about your issue that God's trying to deal with in your life. But if you, you know, if you won't do it, it's going to repent him. And, it, and he's going to say to you, he's going to equate it with, you've turned back from following me. What do you mean I've turned back? I'm not a backslider. If you're not dealing with your stuff, if you're not obeying fully the commandment of God, then you've turned back from following me, amen, and haven't performed my commandments. But this one here, think about this. Samuel, man, Samuel was the one that poured the oil on his head. You know, there's people in my life that I look up to that I don't, and, and ultimately, 
if I please God, I know I'm going to please them. All of us have people over our life. You should have. If you ever see anybody out here that's on their own, you should be scared of them. Hmm? You have to watch that. There's people that will pretend like they're under certain people and they're not really. You have to have people in your life. Don't mess around with people that aren't truly under people's authority. Don't do that. It's dangerous. But Samuel was, man, Samuel was the guy that poured that oil on his head. And Samuel, Samuel wanted Saul to, to win. He wanted him to do what God anointed him to do as the king. This is going to get hard, but you know, you can do this. Because I'm going to pour the oil on your head. You're going to be anointed to do it. Yet, when Saul failed, he failed God. Look at me. And he failed the men of God that believed in him. And had, had been used by God to pour that oil on him. I don't want to disappoint the people in my life that are over my life. Look at that. And Samuel cried all night about anointing him as the king. If I ever heard or thought that Dr. Barclay, Brother Hanner, Pastor Jolliffe, Reverend Holland, key men in my life, if I ever thought that Sarah If I ever thought that Jerry, that's my head elder, Joe is my administrative guy. If I ever thought my elders, the leaders of the church, that they were so disappointed in me that I wouldn't deal with my stuff, that they cried all night about me being in this position, it would break my heart. If I thought that you, forget those other people that are over my life. If I thought the simplest little person in my life, if I thought the boys and girls in children's class were disappointed because I was such a weak shepherd that I wouldn't deal with stuff, both in my heart and in this church, it would break my heart. I got a responsibility to be big enough to deal with my own stuff and then to pastor this flock and deal with stuff that's in this flock. I know I come across, I think I do, as a fun, sweet guy. But I'll tell you what, I'm not afraid to deal with stuff and tell truth. I've never, I've never by God's mercy, I've never liked to have hard meetings, make hard phone calls, but I make them. And when the anointing's on me and I'm doing what God told me to do, I'm, I'll never care about the outcome of it. But it's not fun, is it? I don't want you crying all night. Oh, wouldn't it be pitiful to me to get a call and Aaron can't go to work tomorrow. What's the matter? I was up all night because I cried because dad's such a lousy pastor. 
That could happen. I'm her pastor. Now, I didn't say I was, you know, she's always going to love me. But what if she cried all night about because my dad won't deal with stuff? What if you felt like, you know what I mean? You, hey, man, Saul, he, Saul made Samuel cry because he wouldn't do what God told him to do. And it hurt. It, God, God's already got an attitude about it. And then Samuel's like, I'm part of this, and I'm upset about it. Hmm. When Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set him on, it, on his place, and he's gone about it. He passed on, and he's went, he went down to Gilgal. So Samuel came to Saul. I mean, no, okay, wait a minute now. Now, here we go. Wreck, the day of reckoning over everything that we won't deal with, that day's coming. It's coming. And you know it's coming. We know, somewhere in me, I know, God is not going to turn his head forever about what the stuff that I'm supposed to deal with, either in here or out here. He's not going to let me, and he'll deal with me. He's going to make me, and I know that a day of reckoning's coming. You're going to have something. Now, the, I'm going to show you right now. The best way out of this is for us to deal with it. Right. You deal with it. Yeah. It saves God from getting his attitude. Right. It saves Samuel from, having, from weeping all night, being brokenhearted in his life. And it'll sure save you, maybe your life. Right? And verse 13, and Samuel came to Saul. Now, Samuel came to Saul before and he had a thing of oil and poured it on his head and said, Woo, let's have Holy Ghost Pentecostal Church sing a song. Woo, I feel fire. Hallelujah. Glory. It's good. I love you, Samuel. No, I love you, Saul. You're my prophet. You're my king. You know, hallelujah. Sometimes Samuel came to Saul and said, I need to talk to you about something. You could, Saul could have told by the way the phone call went. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, I shouldn't ask, are you going to bring the oil this time? <laughs> Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, blessed be thou of the Lord. Now, now you watch here. He's going to start lying. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Not only did he not do it, now he's lying about he has done it. I've, oh Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean that, what do you mean you've dealt with me about what? I've, I ask you to forgive me for that. You know what? Asking God to forgive you is not equal with dealing with it. That's a, look, that's a thing that comes, that's how, that's how the brothers want to get out of stuff with, in trouble with their wife all the time. You know what, man, we got this big ordeal going and da 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 and I'm in trouble and, you know, oh, all of a sudden I get tired, of, I just get tired of her being mad at me because I don't want her to be mad at me and, you know, I just go, I'm sorry, Sarah, I'm so sorry for that. 
let's go out to eat. Hallelujah. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Man, the blood's good. I, thank you. You do. Wait a minute, brother. Uh, brother Crab, right over here. Come here. No, 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 no. You haven't dealt with what was a matter. You've just done that man thing. You just want to say I'm sorry and then play kissy face stuff. No. Hmm, apparently there's a bunch of guilty men in here. You understand what I mean? Hmm. Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, I've done what you told me to do. Listen, let's at least get honest and have integrity before God. Here's the truth, God. I've done nothing about what you're dealing with me about in my heart. I haven't dealt with that. I still have an issue with that. But don't try to make him believe you've dealt with it. And Samuel said, see, something's going to give you away. Something's going to come out. Now listen to me. Here's another piece of this. I'm trying to land the airplane here. You know, something else is, I would rather my stuff be dealt with privately in the privacy of my own heart between me and the Holy Spirit. I don't want Samuel, I don't want the pastor, the anointed, I don't want the man of God to have to, now he's in it. He's cried all night about it. I don't want him in it. And God, listen man, look at me. I don't want my stuff dealt with publicly. That's, that's really hard. That's, that's embarrassing. It's hurtful. But look, look at me. Here, all I'm saying to you is one level to another. If you and I won't deal with our stuff when it's there, when it's little, and we let it go on and on and on and on and on, God will finally have enough. The man of God will find out, cry all night. Then there's public evidence of what I won't deal with. I've told you this story, and I do it because it's a public story of Jimmy Swaggart. You know Jimmy Swaggart? Listen, there's nobody on this planet that loved Jimmy Swaggart more than I did. You that are, you, you know, you guys don't remember, most of you. It's just, you got to be really old to remember Jimmy Swaggart. But Jimmy Swaggart was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived on this planet. There were people that had testimony. They'd sit in bars. And they'd sob at the, at the bar thing and weep because he preached the gospel. It was one of the greatest reaping, harvesting machines on the planet. And, and, and you know, Jimmy Swaggart started messing around. He had, he, had some, he had some sexual issues in his life. Sexual issues. Maybe they didn't start out. I, don't, I know for sure they, wouldn't, they didn't start out where they ended up. But Jimmy Swaggart was into to hear him. And he really would, he would preach hard against sexual sin. 
he was, man, he was killing people for listening to rock Christian music. So what would he think about sexual sin? I was like, he was the holiest man I ever been heard. My, my, you know, it's almost my anniversary. Um, April 10th is my 40th anniversary. And April 9th, I've been telling, I don't know why I've been telling this, but for my bachelor party, this is, this is where I was being. We went to a Jimmy Swagger crusade. I got saved, man. Went to, we drove to Louisville. Went to a Jimmy Swaggart crusade for the bachelor party. Stopped at Frisch's and had a vanilla Coke. That's as wild as we got. But Jimmy Swaggart, Jimmy Swaggart, he got, he got puffed up with pride. You know, you got to stay humble. When preachers start having followings, they, it's a very, there, there's a temptation for them to start getting puffed up with pride. I don't care if you're a businessman, a preacher, a politician, whoever you are. If you get puffed up with pride, you're in trouble. And so he started getting puffed up with pride. And then he started ignoring that pride made him because the crowds went like this. The money was coming. The people were coming. And, and, and sometimes when you get like that, you can ignore your stuff. Because you don't have to deal with it. Because you're successful. The crowds are still coming. And he got puffed up with pride. He obviously, it's a long story, but you know that he got involved in sexual sin. Then he got in real strife with another preacher in New Orleans, the next city down from Baton Rouge. This is a documented truth. He got in strife with a pastor named Marvin Gorman. And they got in competition and strife with each other about who had the biggest ministry. And Jimmy Swigert was really criticizing him and boastful and such and so. And they and Jimmy Swigert was... I don't know how long it took to get there, but Jimmy Swagger, the largest by far, those of you that have been around, is that true, Jerry? Yes. Und, I mean, by thousands of times, the most watched, listened to preacher that ever lived to that point. And Jimmy Swagger started getting involved in it with prostitutes. Now, he says he never had sex. He never had intercourse with them. Oh, that's pretty weird to me in the first place. Like, that's a, okay, we won't execute you because you didn't do that. And one night, now see, this is because he wouldn't deal. How many believe that God was dealing with him? Speaking to him. Every night, long time before he ever did it, one time, God was dealing with him and said, stop thinking about that. Stop that. That's sin. You know the word. You stop it. But it went on. He wouldn't deal with it. He wouldn't deal with it. Then he went on, and then he, I don't know where he was the first time he got with a prostitute. But he went on and on and on. Marvin Gorman, because of the strife that was between them, they were so mad. 
And Marvin Gorman had, some, had a private investigator follow him one night to a hotel somewhere between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Jimmy Swaggart went in, the, went in there with the prostitute. Somebody outside the thing took pictures, videos, and let all the air out of the tires of the car. That's called getting caught. You know, so th this man that was so anointed, he was so awesome. His entire kingdom and ministry crumbled, crumbled and came down and crashed. It, it was almost like, like the Roman Empire spiritually. One day, from the inside, it crashed, and it completely fell and died. I'll never forget the night, a few weeks later, I had to get on national television. I'm telling you, America stopped that Sunday night. And every television in America was on, believer and unbeliever, were on that station watching Jimmy Swaggart because he had such influence get up and have to weep before God and say, God, forgive me. I've sinned against you. My point is, he had to deal with it publicly. All of a sudden, the sheep... Samuel said, what means the bleeding of this sheep in my ear? Now this thing is, it's outside Saul. Now the sheep are bleeding. And the lowing of the oxen that I hear. And Saul said, they've brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. He's blaming it on the people. He's blaming it on others. It's his own sin. He's blaming on the other people. And he lied about it to, to God and said, they've brought the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord and the rest we've utterly destroyed. Like God's going to say, okay, you, you know, you kind of dealt with it. Bless your heart. You were convicted, you know. Then Samuel said to Saul, stay and I will tell you what the Lord says to me tonight. And he said unto him, say on. And Samuel said, listen to this, Saul. Samuel said, when you were little in your own sight. You need to remember when you, you know, you know the hardest part about getting big is staying little in your heart. Remembering where you came from. Remembering what it was like when it was just you and God, you were just totally dependent on God. You didn't have a crowd and a following, but you had a relationship with God. And you would do anything God told you to do. And now you got big. Samuel said unto him, when you were little in your own sight, 
Weren't you made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you king over Israel? You know what? Listen to me. You better stay little in your own sight. Don't you ever see yourself as something and big and you're all that and you're somebody. May God have mercy on your soul if you ever get there. You better stay little in your sight when you believe you're the only one. I get so nervous. I'm the only one having this and doing that. You should run from that person. Run from them. But flee to someone that's little in their own sight. You stay little in your own eyes. You'll never have to worry about this, man. You know, when you were made king over Israel, he said in verse 17, it was when you were little in your own sight. And the Lord sent thee on a journey. And said, go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites. Fight against them until they be consumed. Where, why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? And you flew upon the spoil. You wanted the stuff. And you did evil in the sight of the Lord. And Saul said to Samuel, yes, I have, o- I have obeyed the Lord. And I've gone the way which the Lord sent thee and have brought Agag. You liar! He said, I've brought Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He tried to make up this story like, I've brought, it. I've brought Agag here. Like, the, like this is going to fix everything. Like I've done a big deal. I brought the king of the thing. And he's really smart. And he's really good. He's going to fix us and help us. But the people, then he says in verse 21, but the people took the spoil. And the sheep and the oxen, the chief of things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of God. You know what God wants out of us tonight? He wants us to obey Him when He speaks to us in our heart. And I don't mean the Lord said, go to India. I mean, stop that flesh thing that's in your life. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and listen better than the fat of rams. You better circle verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Hmm. That's a big statement, isn't it? And stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. You know, I see people, I deal with people all the time. Oh, it's just me. I'm just stubborn. They almost laugh it off. I want to call them a witch. You're a witch. There's no pride in, there's no honor in being stubborn. Stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he hath rejected you from being the king. You know, I mean, no, you know, that's why people, look, man, quit being sloppy over your job here. Stop it, man. You work for God. Do your job. Do it well. 
Do it with honor. Act like it's a, there's some dignity in your job because God put you in that job. Hmm? Saul, Saul said to Samuel, finally, I mean, man, make, Lord, amen. You know, it takes 24 verses to get you to say this. You got, you got some issues. I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in thy words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. You know, a pastor's biggest, you know, my biggest temptation, I, it's, it's not a woman or to get drink, drinking and running around or stealing money and stuff. The, the pastor's biggest temptation is, is to please the people because it's because you don't want to make anybody, you don't want to upset anybody. You want everybody to be okay. But every day of my life, I make decisions. And when I do, I have to go through and I think, who's, gonna, who's this going to tick off? There's things I got to say and do. And, and this, this is where I've, I've been in trouble with God over this. Right here. Because I, I don't want to say stuff sometimes. I, I'm big enough to say it. I, but I, sometimes I get weary and I just don't want to. I don't want to mess with it. It would be easier not to deal with it. Pick the rug up. Sweep it. Because it takes energy and it's emotional. Hmm? I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. Now therefore I pray thee pardon my sin. Turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. In other words, Saul said, he's like a man, you know. Saul's like, let's just get back right in right relationship real quick. Samuel said to Saul, I won't return with you. <laughs> nope. It's not, it's not all fixed. For you have rejected the word of the Lord. And the Lord hath rejected you from being the king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go away. And he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and tore it. And Samuel said to him, so, so Samuel turns to go away. Saul falls on him. He's like begging him. No, no, God, no. I never really thought it would get here. No, please don't take the kingdom away from me. I'm the king. I don't, I don't want to lose my job, my, my called position. When Samuel found me, I was chasing my daddy's lost donkeys. And God's promoted me. Please don't take my job away. He fell on Samuel. And his skirt that went down to the ground, it tore. Look what it says here. Verse 28, and Samuel said to him, when that, when that skirt, when that uh, fabric, when that fabric went, tore, Samuel pointed at him and said, the Lord hath rent or torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. He didn't take it away from you. He tore it from you. Listen to this now. And he's given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than you. I always remember this. You know what? I don't care if I planted this church. This is not my church. If I don't obey and obey God, deal with my own heart, do what's righteous before God, God has the right to tear this thing away from me and give it to a neighbor that's better than me. Somebody that'll 
that's little in their sight and stays little in their sight and somebody that will be responsible over what God gave them better than I would. I always remember that. God can do it with me. He can do it with you. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are. The Lord hath torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and given it to a neighbor better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent. He's not a man that he should repent. What's that mean? I've heard preachers use that verse totally out of context and say something else about like God is strong and he doesn't lie. Yeah, let's put it in context. What God's saying is the strength of Israel, the, the God of Israel that is strong. You know what? There's, a, there's certain things when he tears something away from you like this after he dealt with you over, 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 over he's, and he takes it away from you, he's not going to repent. He's not giving it back to you. There are things you cannot get back. You better be careful over what you have and call it holy. Hallelujah. Then he said, I have sinned. Look, look what he said. I've sinned, yet honor me now. You still don't get it, bro. I've sinned. Honor me now, I pray thee. Before the elders of my people and before Israel, turn again with me that I may worship God. He's still thinking about his pitiful self. He's thinking about his pride. Like, this is a guy that doesn't get this. And Samuel turned again after Saul. And Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, I'm not quitting because that story's not over. I'm going to finish this story and send you home with the end of the story. Then said Samuel, bring Bring hither to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. Saul's probably thinking, oh good, now he's going to see how cool Agag is and that's going to appease his anger to me. Go get Agag, the king. And Agag came to him delicately. I like that bit. My margin says, Agag came cautiously. It's good. I think Agag knew more about this, you know. And Agag said, or thought, surely the bitterness of death is past. In other words, Samuel, by now Samuel's calmed down. Samuel said, as thy sword, meaning Agag, as your sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord God in Israel. Samuel went to Ramah. Saul went to his house to Gibeah of Saul. Samuel came no more, God forbid. Samuel came no more to, to, see, to see Saul till the day of his death. Nevertheless, even then, Samuel mourned for Saul, for the Lord repented that he ever made Saul king over Israel. There's stuff in our life that God wants to do.
when I give an altar call, I don't expect you to be messing around looking at Facebook on a phone. Because God's trying to reach into our hearts. I expect you to just listen, man. Please listen to me. What you have can be taken away from you. Stay little in, there's so many lessons in this. Stay little in your own sight. Deal with your stuff. Here's my point tonight. You know, because Saul wouldn't deal with this, Samuel had to deal with it. Don't make other people do what you should do. It was God's will for Samuel, or for Saul, to kill those Amalekites and, and Agag. But because he wouldn't, other people had to get involved in it. They had to deal with it. Don't make other people get involved in stuff that you ought to deal with. Deal with your stuff. Be honest. And be strong. For the glory of God. We trust you enjoyed this message. For more information about Pastor Jim Crabb and Imago Day, please visit our website at imagodeicincy.com. I-M-A-G-O-D-E-I-C-I-N-C-Y dot com.